I never understood pro days, <laughs> Nick. I, I, but maybe you can fill me in on that. But when you when you're out there all by yourself in shorts and a t-shirt throwing a wide open guys downfield, and oh, he threw it on on a dime. Well, I probably could do that as well. But anyways, I I like to see a quarterback when. 300 pound men chasing after you with a average offensive line with coverages they've never seen before and have to adjust and the first second and third options aren't there what are they going to do and and the pockets collapsing yada 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 right that's what i want to see welcome to the sports forecasters podcast thank you for tuning in today this podcast has been created not to dwell and over evaluate what has already happened in the sports world but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? This is the Sports Forecasters Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Singer, and I am with Nick Alvarez. What's going on? Are you enjoying the weather? Uh, well, enjoying it up until tomorrow where we drop back down into mid-30s for whatever reason, but that's Ohio for you. Weather comes and goes, but then jumps back up the 70 come this Sunday. So we're going to enjoy what we get, complain about what we don't, and move forward. That's what we do in Ohio. Yeah, we we <laughs> love it when it's here. When it's gone, we'll find something that we want back. Absolutely. So first, we're going to recap real quick the tournament from the Sweet 16 up to where we are right now. We have the Final Four ready to go this weekend to get the champion of the NCAA World Basketball World. So, Nick, how how about you talk about a couple of the games uh, in the Elite Eight? Yeah, so this weekend we made some picks, and we're just going to go back over what happened and what we see, just kind of how it shook out. So for the West, looking at Gonzaga versus Creighton and then USC versus Oregon, like we were talking about before, Gonzaga just looked like a juggernaut against Creighton and just wasn't missing a beat. It was never even close. Didn't even have a second thought if they were going to pull it off or not. Same thing with USC versus Oregon. USC picked up where they left off in the regular season when they faced Oregon earlier and just took control of the game, and it was neither much difficulty for them to advance to the Elite Eight. But when we got to Gonzaga-USC, like we had talked about last week, hoping to see a lot of competitive games, different things going on, and Gonzaga look like they're on another planet right now. They just handled USC big time, which both of us had picked Gonzaga to make it to the Final Four, so that was one region we nailed and ended up being correct on. However, for us mutually getting it right, that's where the tale ends. Nathan, what did you have happening in the East region? East region, Michigan, UCLA. I mean, this was this was the upset, obviously, of the weekend. I, I talked about this at the beginning. You know, there's always a low seed in the Final Four, right? Every year, besides one year, there's been at least a five. No, there's been at least a five seed or lower every year for the last, I think, it was seven years. So 
watching this, you know, when Oregon State did not beat Houston, there was only, you know, USC or UCLA, and I did not see Gonzaga losing. So I'm watching this game thinking, well, it's the last game of the night. We have a two seed and two one seeds. If I was actually betting on sports, I would be like UCLA straight up, you know, to keep that streak going. And it happened. And so just watching that game, it's just one of those games where I don't say this often. I always seem to watch a game and feel like, well, they should do that better or this better. Michigan played great defense. They got good shots. They executed well. They just were, they just did not go in. And, you know, it's always easy to say, oh, you just got to make shots. I hate when people say that, but I literally, I'm watching this game and I'm just like, they're bigger than them. They're getting it down low like they should have been. They're making great post moves. They're getting good shots. They hit, they, they airballed wide open threes. It's just, Maybe it was just too late at night for them. I don't know, <laughs> but it's. I just could not believe that they just, I mean, they had every chance to, I think, won that game by at least 10 points, and it just didn't happen. So we got our 11th seed in the Final Four. What about the Oregon State, uh, the Oregon State and Houston game? Yeah, Midwest region, Loyola and Oregon State, those were our two plucky underdogs when we last talked, and Oregon State just really put Loyola away. They did a really good job. It it did get tight towards the end, though. So Loyola just kind of give. They kept hope alive towards the end. I remember watching that game and just they were they're chipping in, chipping in, getting closer, getting closer. And I was just like, oh boy, this definitely making compelling towards the last few minutes. But Oregon State survives, and Syracuse, Houston, Houston just blew the doors open. That looked like the Houston team we were anticipating to see in the tournament not the team where they had a close call against Rutgers, but they came with a game plan, busted Syracuse's zone, and just marched forward. Now, when we got to their Elite Eight matchup, Houston and Oregon State, it looked like Houston was going to have a sequel to their Syracuse game where they were just going to blow it open. It wasn't going to be much to worry about, but Oregon State changed changed up their defense threw a wrench into Houston's plans, made them start missing some shots and brought it into some contention, uh, nail-biter in the end, more so than what they probably thought midway through the second half. So only a six-point win for Houston, but Houston survives. That was what we saw with Oregon State and Houston. Houston survives to come up against the winner of your region, Nathan, in the South region. Yeah, Baylor and Arkansas. I originally had Arkansas winning this this region and make it to the final four, but I did not imagine them going up against Baylor at the time. I had Baylor losing earlier because I thought they had some matchup problems early on. That would be a struggle for them to move on, but they made it here. And looking at Baylor and Arkansas, I just felt like that matchup favored Baylor. I, I just feel they're both very athletic teams, very fast paced, very scrappy. Um, I just feel like Baylor's a little bit more controlled, not as careless with the balls. Arkansas is, I mean, Arkansas has gone six straight games down by over 10 points and won them, including all their tournament games they've been down, even to their uh, even to the 14th seed in the opening round. Seeing this, that's not good. The further you get, obviously, the harder it is to come back from 10 points. Um, and then they were down 10 points within the first three minutes of the game. But, of course, they came back, but it was just too little too late, and, and Baylor pulled away there. But I don't trust Baylor too much at the end of games, but I trust them a little bit more than Arkansas. And, and when I saw how that game was going, it's I'm, I wasn't surprised that Baylor did pull away there so uh they're a really good team very athletic i just question some things with this team i think it'll be a very interesting matchup in the final four there so uh, i guess we're going to move on here and talk about our our picks for the final four and our champions see if they've changed uh 
Obviously, the Final Four is a little bit different than what we expected, so um, our takes might change. Well, who do you got going uh, to the championship and winning it all? Yes, so in the Final Four, just for the record, I only have one team making it from my original projection at the beginning. Lots of things shifted and changed from the beginning. Some teams might pan out, but that's the nature of the piece. That's why every year people sign up, try to make those picks, and sometimes your forecasts end up right. Sometimes they don't. For the first matchup, the East-West matchup, we have UCLA, the never-say-die guys, the guys that keep battling on. Everyone's counting them out. They were the first four in playing Michigan State way back when against Gonzaga. Quite frankly, I can't see Gonzaga lose this matchup. Gonzaga has just looked like on another level. Every team that has been put in front of them, they have just steamrolled, simply put. So I have Gonzaga winning this one. Who do you have winning that matchup, Nathan? Yeah, I'm not going to change either. Gonzaga definitely going to win this game. Uh, but, you know, I've been betting against UCLA here for the last couple games, so who knows? Um, I think if UCLA wants a chance here, a chance is one in a million. <laughs> I, I liked what they did early on in that Michigan game. That really kept that game close from the get-go, and I think it really halted their game plan. Um, which made that game low scoring, which gives UCLA the best chance. That's that's what they need to do. They got to keep this game in the 60s. No, it, it, and Gonzaga averages what like 88 in this tournament, so they got to like basically keep them, you know, have them score 20 less than what they normally do. No big deal, right? <laughs> I, what I liked what they did with Michigan, they always they uh there's they're a small team, but every time they got down low, they're at least initially they would double team their big guys Wagner and uh, Dickinson. I think that really shook them a little bit and i think that's why towards the end of the game those two players just weren't executing what they needed to do and just weren't able to put the ball in the hole because it just kind of put them off their 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 flow so i think what ucl needs kind of do that same thing um and i'm sure gonzaga's looking at that tape and and getting ready for that so um double team down low they're small so they're gonna have to really do that Um, make suggs shoot the three keep it out of their their star players hands Um, suggs is also a great player but he's not as good at the three point double down low make him pop it outside make the non-three-point shooter shoot threes from the outside and i think that's that'll give him the best chance to keep this little scoring uh so i have them winning uh i'll jump to the next game here baylor and uh, houston so I feel like the basketball discipline on the left part of this bracket is is much higher. On the right part, on the right side, it's just I feel like it's just a bunch of athletic, talented players without much discipline. I, Baylor and Houston is like the same team to me. <laughs> I just just fast paced, rebound, scrappy, great defense. Houston's defense is amazing. Their offensive rebound is amazing, very good. I think they're just a little bit more careless though than Baylor. Baylor's got better shooters. Uh, Baylor's got more athletes, more stars. So. I see like talent versus work ethic here. This is going to be a close game. It's going to be low score. And it's going to be scrappy. This is going to be in the low 60s, um, I think. I um, actually actually predicted the score here. And Baylor versus Houston, I think it's going to be a one-point game. I have Baylor winning by a point, 65 to 64. Uh, it's going to be back and forth. I think there'll be a game of runs. Baylor going to 8-10-0 run. Houston going to 8-10-0 run just because sometimes these teams get cold real fast. They're not very disciplined. So game of runs. Back and forth, close. Baylor ends up winning 65-64. I will say my score for the um, Zags UCLA. I've got it a 15-point game, and I think that's be a generous 78-63. to I have Gonzaga beating UCLA. So my championship will be Gonzaga and Baylor, but I will let you talk about your Baylor-Houston game and what your pick is before we pick our champion. Baylor and Houston do feel like 
similar teams in terms of the offensive output they can do and sometimes their ability to protect their ball. With that in mind, it's what team is going to be able to get on a hot streak, bring back a hot streak, and keep the other team from surging at the end. Really not much disparity, unfortunately, in this one, folks. I just, Baylor has been doing a good job of their offensive output. They've been executing well. Their athletes have been hitting their shots, getting their drives in, just doing what they need to. And I, I see the same thing as Nathan. I don't know that Houston can overcome it. I do think it will be a tight game as well. I think Baylor ends up getting on that streak at the end. And I'm not, I don't think it will be quite as close. I think it will be more like a five point, a seven point game in the end of them winning. I don't have like a final point total. I think it will be I like 72, 74 is what I'm thinking maybe for the winner. And then the losing team will be in the, the higher 60s. And that's just kind of where I'm thinking with it, just because Houston, in this case, gets down. They're going to start chucking up things that they didn't really want to do. They're going to settle for shots that aren't really favorable. And I think that's where they run into trouble. And that's what steers me away from saying it's going to be a one-point game. But hopefully it is because parity in games is what we love as fans. So we both have the same teams making it on. For Houston to end up winning that matchup, it's really just taking care of the ball and executing. I mean, that sounds like very simple things to say, but that's been their big problem throughout a lot of this tournament is they just don't take care of the ball as well. So they let teams creep back in. And if they do that, don't settle for terrible looks, then they can give themselves a shot. So we both have Baylor and Gonzaga. So Nathan, championship game. We both have sent it to Gonzaga from the beginning. Do you change your mind in this instance? I think so. I'm just kidding. I'm not. Gonzaga wins. Uh, the most dominant team in, in the nation. Was going to pick them last year. Haven't lost a game since. Why change? Stick with my guns. I have Gonzaga beating Baylor. I'm not going to talk much about it because this is what I've been talking about this entire podcast. 74-66. Gonzaga wins the championship. Who do you got? Well, last week, sticking to my guns quite pan out. Bama let me down. Arkansas let me down. Oregon State, their run ended. But I am sticking with Gonzaga. I, they're just, they have given me zero reason, zero inkling that they're going to falter and lose this historic run. I think Gonzaga takes control of it early, and Baylor just never gets to be in their rhythm that they want to be because that's just how Gonzaga's been. They just dominate, the, they just enforce their will onto their opponents, put the opponents into a situation they don't want to be in or in a style they don't want to play in. And I feel like early on, it'll be kind of back and forth early first half. But then Gonzaga will just slowly just start taking control of it. Gonzaga ends up being our national champion. Yeah. Undefeated too. 32-0. First time since the Hoosiers in 76. So that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting to see, I'm rooting to see some history being made. So I, And I, I know Baylor and Houston, they haven't been in the Final Four in a long time. So it's just a lot of new faces uh, in the final four obviously ucla is a, a blue blood team so they it's been since 2008 since they made it but seeing gazaga in it and having a real good shot at the undefeated season is just it's it's really cool to see so i'm really excited for it and I'm, I'm i'm definitely rooting for them we want to move on to our next topic a topic that i get real nerdy about i love well i love predicting everything that's why we're the sports forecasters but what i really love to predict 
is the draft, the NFL draft. And so we have our sports forecasters mock draft 1.0. We'll we'll release our 2.0 draft you know, right before the draft starts later this month. We're going to give you our first kind of take at it. Obviously, this will probably change in a few weeks, depending on some signings and trades and just hearings we're, 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 we're learning about throughout the league and what teams want. So um, we're each going to go back and forth, give you guys what our picks are, and um, let us know what you think. We'll start with number one. Uh, I'm going to guess we have the same one here, uh, but... Who you never know. So <laughs> Nick, who do you got? Number one, going to the Jags. Jacksonville Jaguars trade out of the first spot. No, I'm just kidding. Jacksonville will not pass up this franchise opportunity. Touted as a once in a lifetime talent as a freshman and as a senior year, didn't give much reason to stray away from it. Jag Jacksonville Jaguars draft Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Who do you got, Nick? Yep. One. 100% agree. No uh, disagreement there. I guess the only thing I can think of is if Urban Meyer is so in love with his Ohio State quarterbacks that he does something crazy and draft Justin Fields, but there's no way. So Trevor Lawrence, number one overall. Um, I'll jump here to number two. I got uh, Wilson out of BYU, quarterback. Zach Wilson, I think he's legit. I love this kid a lot. I think he's great. I think the Jets pick him up. I'm really curious to see what the whole Sam Darnold situation is going to be like. They'll, I think they'll ultimately trade him to a team who wanted a quarterback, but then to get one in this draft, they will then need to trade for one. Um, so I think ultimately that what that's what will happen to Sam Darnold. But I have a, I've got Zach Wilson out of BYU. Number two, who do you got? I also believe that the Jets regime is moving on from Sam Darnold. I honestly think the best situation would be maybe have Darnold out there as a tryout. I see the Jets taking Zach Wilson as well for pick number two. Let's go to pick number three where there's been a lot of shifting going on here. Uh, we have San Francisco who just acquired this pick in a trade late last week through the Dolphins who received this pick from Houston. Who do you have San Francisco taking for the third pick, Nathan? Yeah, so I initially had I so this could be a quarterback. Obviously, you don't trade up to number three, trade all out of way to not get a quarterback. Um, the most important position. It, it's just which quarterback. So there's three left on the board. You got Fields, you got Jones, you got Lance. And I initially had Jones here, and I scratched that out. And then I put Lance, and I scratched it out, and then I, I end up putting Justin Fields. I'm not a fan of this pick, but I think they'll end up going with Justin Fields just because of that pro day. Uh, but this might change in a couple weeks. I'll let you know, but right now, that's who I got. Who do you got? The 49ers making this move was very interesting, and before the Dolphins gave it up, which I think in the end is like the best thing for them, especially building up the stock of draft picks later on and just trying to capitalize on building that team around Tua, trying to send that message to Tua, give them that vote of confidence. But anyways, on to the 49ers. 49ers making this move was very surprising at this point, but ultimately, I believe quarterback as well. It's just who do they fall in love with? And Shanahan is a person that likes versatile quarterbacks. So I think ultimately they take Justin Fields. But I think Justin Fields will be someone they draft but don't start. Garoppolo stays there because they can't move him and get equal value for him. So Fields ends up being the quarterback they take at number three. Moving on to number four, we have the Atlanta Falcons drafting at the fourth position. Nathan, what do you have here? I initially had Kyle Pitts going here and... I still think that could happen, but I decided to change my mind, and I'm going to say Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, defensive end. I think they need to show up their defensive line uh, quite a bit, and um, in, a, in a draft full of quarterbacks, it just seems odd to have a, a D lineman this high, but um, he's fantastic out of Michigan. I think 
Um, Falcons need that. But I wouldn't be surprised they go after Pitts here. So to be determined. But right now, today, that's who I'm picking. Quiddy Pay out of Michigan defensive end. Who do you got? I don't get the indication from Atlanta based on moves and things they've done that they feel pressed to move on from Matt Ryan. Now, if the opportunity falls in their lap, maybe they'll look at that. Maybe San Francisco or the Jets do something wonky and don't take a quarterback and they have a someone they like. But ultimately, I think Atlanta is going to look to sure things up with a new regime there, finally moving on. But one of the things that was much maligned was the offensive line. I mean, any team can improve their offensive line. And I think they're going to go with the man from Oregon, Sewell. I think they're going to go offensive tackle. They're going to give that vote of confidence to Matt Ryan. They still have great receivers as weapons. And they have, but ultimately, I think they go offensive line with Sewell from Oregon. Moving on to the fifth pick, the Bengals. Yeah, well, they're obviously not going to go quarterback. Their quarterback is Joey Burrow. They got a really talented court, uh, wide receiver coming out of uh, LSU that Joey Burrow played with. So why not pick him? <laughs> so they need wide receivers. They uh, AJ Green signed with uh, the Cardinals, and they need they need some weapons outside for Joey. So or Joe Burrow, I should say. He hates being called Joey. Uh, so I got Jamar Chase at LSU wide receiver number five to the Bengals. Yeah, definitely they're going to try to build around Joe Burrow. Talking to a good friend of mine, Zach Bowling, he's a big Bengals fan. He says the whole team needs fixed after talking to him and kind of chatting with him about it at the end of the regular season. But ultimately, I think moving on from A.J. Green, John Ross not panning out at all, I they need something. I don't think Pitts goes here. I'm, I agree with you. They want to bring in a guy that Burrow has a good rapport with, they have that instant chemistry, so they're going to go with Jamar Chase. I agree with that one as well. So, number five, Bengals go wide receiver, take the first wide receiver off the board, according to our mock drafts, and Jamar Chase. Pick number six, Nathan, the Dolphins. The Eagles give them this pick for some in return later. What do the Dolphins do with the number six pick? So, I've heard rumors that uh Pitt's available, they're going to get him. Um, we have a very great tight end, but in today's NFL, you need like two tight ends. So I could easily see that. If he's on the board, I'm sh- for sure, I'm sure they're going to look into that. But it, currently, I don't have Sewell from Oregon, offensive tackle being drafted, and you and your draft board, you, you have him being drafted. I think if he's available here, they're going to take him. We need to make sure our offensive line is good. And... Because now we let Fitzpatrick go, it's all into his hands. And we, we added Will Fuller. We have a great tight end already. And we have Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant. I, I feel like our weapons on the outside, are they're good. I don't think we need to add another weapon. I don't think we need to add a receiver or tight end. This is my opinion. Now, this might change in my next draft. This is more what I think the what these teams should do. Um, I think they should go offensive line here and... Give I think right now that help that's the weapons Tua needs is more protection. I think he's got the weapons outside. He's got good enough weapons outside. He just needs more protection to ensure his success moving forward. So I have I have a Sewell out of Oregon offensive tackle uh, going to the Dolphins at this point. Who do you got? I actually think that Kyle Pitts does go here. I don't. I think this is more of a pick based on best available option. I think Dolphins see Pitts fall to this point based on what we have so far 
and just too good of an opportunity to go. Two tight end sets are ran in the NFL to where both can be very effective. And yeah, I if Pitts is there at that point, I see them taking him or trading that pick away and let someone else fall in love with him where they can build up the roster in some other way. But I see Pitts leaving at number six if my mock board says how it is. Number seven, the much maligned Detroit Lions. Nathan, who do we have going here? Yeah, just like the Bengals, the Lions kind of let a lot of the receivers go. Um, they brought in a new quarterback, so I think what they need to do is give that guy some weapons. So I think they're going to take the next best wide receiver off the board, and it's not the Heisman Trophy winner out of uh, Alabama, um, which I think is smart not to get him. They're going to get Waddle out of Alabama. And they're going to show up that wide receiver core as much as possible. Who do you got? Same thought process. I really thought about Pitts going here, but I just can't see him falling below six. Like someone's going to take him before that trade up to get him or something to that effect. So I think they show up outside, especially after losing Marvin Jones. I think they need something out there, someone they can rely on or someone they can start building around in terms of their wide receiving core. And I see Waddle going as well from Alabama. Pick number eight, we're looking at the Carolina Panthers, up and down year. So what do they do with the number eight pick here, Nathan? Uh, yeah, so, well, first off, you talk about Pitts. Um, you don't think he'd be falling. Uh, yeah, so far, I don't have him being picked. I know he's a highly touted tight end. Um, he's actually, for me, he's going to be that guy that actually falls in the draft. Um, there's always that one player that everyone expects to get drafted high that falls. And to me, at least today, that's Pitts. That's that's that guy that I, I see falling in this draft. But anyways, back to the eighth pick, Carolina Panthers. Yeah, they're going to go quarterback here, assuming there's still a couple left on the board. Uh, they could possibly trade up um, if they really felt like they needed to, but uh, but I don't think they're worried about the, the teams in front of them getting a, getting a quarterback. So I originally had fields here, but I moved fields up to three to 49ers. So I'm putting Trey Lance here out of North Dakota State uh, to go – to the Panthers, uh, I, I I feel like with uh, the coach uh, that used to coach in Baylor, um, used to coach in Temple, I believe he he uh, he's bringing that college game with him, and just seems like in the college game you typically have more versatile uh, quarterbacks, dual threat quarterbacks, and and of the two two quarterbacks that are left, Lance and Jones, I think Lance brings that more than Jones, uh, so I think it would fit his system a little bit better. I mean, they had Teddy Bridgewater there earlier who fit that system as well. So I feel like Lance will come in and, and be able to complement um, the Carolina offense a little bit better. Who do you got? Yeah. At number eight pick, I feel like the Carolina Panthers are going to make a move for quarterback. They're always looking for an upgrade, and I think they're going to look in this position to find that heir apparent. And I thought I'm waffling between Jones and Lance. Which one do they go with? Which one fits the style? And looking at the type of quarterback Teddy is, I have to agree with you, Nathan. I think Trey Lance ends up going at number eight. Um, I kind of waffle between the two. I wouldn't be surprised if they flip-flop on it, but I really think Trey Lance is what they end up with because they want that athleticism, especially with a team they're still trying to build with. And having a running back like Christian McCaffrey, you want to have someone that can move around, manipulate the pocket because he's going to get all kinds of coverage. So you want to make sure you get you have a quarterback that can get the ball out in different scenarios instead of just in a pocket situation. So I have Trey Lance going at number eight as well. 
Going on to the number ninth pick, we have the Denver Broncos drafting. Nathan, where do they go with this? They're going to go quarterback as well. Um, I have them getting Mac Jones here. And uh, I think Mac Jones is, um, fits that uh, the Denver style the best. Uh, I feel like John Elway in Denver is not really uh, embracing the dual-threat quarterback system. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that they've had. They've all been pocket passers, not really a threat on their legs. I mean, Julak is a little bit, but nothing to be uh, too concerned about. Uh, but just with all the quarterbacks ever since Peyton Manning, they've all been not super athletic, pocket passers. And so I just think, like, I just think that's what John Elway wants, and I think that's what they're going to get in. Plus, they're more of a defensive team. Not really putting up all the fancy numbers and offensive stats. So I have the uh, Broncos getting Mac Jones, probably the least athletic of the quarterbacks in this draft, but a super accurate quarterback um, has quite the quite the arm and and then obviously Bama quarterbacks are boating pretty well lately uh, so far with Jalen Hurts and and Tua Tagovailoa Tagovailoa in uh with uh, starting jobs already in the NFL so um Alabama quarterback seems to be making a run here so uh I got um Mac Jones going to the Broncos who do you got Yes unfortunately Drew Locke has not set the world on fire I see a quarterback going as well so I feel like the Broncos are going to try to make that move again for a quarterback I have Mac Jones going as the fifth quarterback out of these individuals Going to the last pick we're going to do for now, we're going to just cap it off at 10 for tonight just because we want to just kind of wet the whistles and then come back with the 2.0 where we go through the whole first round. So for the number 10th pick for tonight, Nathan, who do you have the Dallas Cowboys taking at the number 10 pick? I got them going defense. I got a cornerback here. I I think there's two great quarterbacks, cornerbacks on the board here. Uh, Sertain out of Bama and Farley out of Virginia Tech. Um, I'm back and forth on this, but right now I'm going to go with Farley out of Virginia Tech. Uh, I, 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 uh, not for any specific reason. Um, that may change, but I'm, I'm sold they're going to get a cornerback, and that's who I'm going in this mock draft. What about you? Number 10 pick, Dallas Cowboys absolutely need to address the defense. It's been the biggest hole in that team. They need a defensive star, someone to help give them that identity. And so here, I see them taking a cornerback as well. However, I'm going to go with Patrick Sertain II, I believe is who they're going to draft to help bolster that secondary that has had trouble, to say the least, in their coverage schemes. What are your thoughts after going through your mock draft, Nathan? Yeah, it's subject to change, that's for sure. I think about half of these I'm pretty confident in, and they're they're untouchable. (laughs) So I probably won't change those, but uh, uh, the other half, definitely subject to change so um i'll kind of follow follow the news here and what's being reported and uh can't wait to to uh, give out our our 2.0 mock draft same here definitely subject to change we have one we both have lawrence two we both have zach wilson going to the jets three for san francisco we both said justin fields and then number four this is where we started differ who do you have for number four again nathan at number four I had Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, defensive end. And I had offensive tackle Sewell from Oregon. We both actually said Jamar Chase for the Bengals. I said the Dolphins take that Kyle Pitts pick as best available player. You said they take... 
Yeah, this is the sixth pick, and I have a uh, Suwada, Oregon, uh, the t- uh, offensive tackle there. Seventh pick, we both actually said Waddle. Eighth, both said Lance. Ninth, Mac Jones. And then the tenth pick, you went with? I went with Farley, uh, quarterback out of Virginia Tech. And I went with the other top cornerback of this draft, Sertain the second. Those are our top ten picks for the night. With that being said, Nathan, any final thoughts about the upcoming basketball game or anything, any rumblings going on in the sports world that's been catching your fancy? I'm just uh, ready to watch the the final four here and uh, hopefully see Gonzaga. Gonzaga win it all as we all expect uh, to, to see it. And um, yeah, I just don't like seeing basketball come to an end. So it's a kind of a bittersweet moment. As they say, all good things must come to an end. We're looking for the championship game and seeing how that pans out and talking about that in the next one. So for tonight, thank you for joining us, folks. It's been Nathan Singer, Nick Alvarez, and we are the Sports Forecasters. We'll talk to you later. Bye.